0: This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast.
1: An unexpected headline in the New York Times in the opinion section. As kids, they thought they were trans. They no longer do. And then a long story in the free press. I was told to approve all teen gender transitions. I refused. It's a whistleblower's tale. How is the transition regret story that is breaking up everywhere, being covered by the media. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overbee Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the National On Religion column for the andrews McMeill Universal Syndicate. And for two decades, he led the GetReligion.org website. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Terry, we missed you last week. What happened?
0: (laughs) Oh man, can you have a midlife crisis at age 70? On my 70th birthday, I ended up rushing into an emergency brain MRI. And the good news is that it was not a stroke. I am suffering from a condition, fairly common condition called Bell's palsy, which freezes the left side of your face. You lose control of blinking on your left eye. And listeners may be able to hear, in particular, some struggles today with words beginning with the letter P, B, and a few other things today. So I'm, I'm not myself, but I'm doing better, and I'm on the right medications. Things seem to be going well.
1: This article in the New York Times, as kids, they thought they were trans, they no longer do, is important. But why is it in the opinion section and, as opposed to hard
0: news? And that is the question. Basically, the implication here is that this is an opinion piece. Let's say, thinking out loud, I think it's safe to say that the New York Times newsroom, in its current condition on sexual revolution issues, couldn't report this as hard news. But the fact that it's an opinion instead of hard news implies that there are no verifiable facts to discuss related to this topic. I'm not saying that we have to agree on the facts, but there are few facts that we can even argue about and cite on the record sources for. Early in the article, there's a crucial moment where it says, let me read this, the small but rapidly growing number of children, who express gender dysphoria and who transition at any age, according to clinicians, is a recent and more controversial phenomenon. Small but rapidly growing number of children. You know, I just did in 20 seconds with a couple of clicks of a mouse called up some basic statistics. And the in the United States, we've seen in a 1000% rise in a decade the UK, which we'll see later, is a very important nation in this story. The UK has seen a 4,000% rise in girls demanding gender treatments in recent years, and 70% of sex reassignment surgeries were done for girls. Why does that matter? Because before five, eight years ago, gender dysphoria affecting girls was clinically shown to be incredibly, incredibly rare. The overwhelming percentage of genuine diagnosed gender dysphoria cases were males. Now we're seeing a tsunami of female cases. And that's documented, even though it says a small number this opinion piece gets into some of the blunt details later. So here's the question that our listeners have to ask. Why isn't this a news story? And what we're going to get into as we go into this article is why isn't our news media able to cover this story? And then ultimately, where my concern now leads after the closing of my 20 years of work with Get Religion is I try to move toward new things. What can our church do? What can our seminaries do? What can our colleges do on these topics if they have no information in mass media to work with and no sources of information, which, which to work with pastors, counselors, and parents, I struggle right now to name a bigger set of crises in the American church than these. One is how can our pastors identify and help with our national mental health crisis? And I don't think the word crisis is overblown there at all. And a subset of that crisis, as this article makes clear, is the transgender issue. Then at the same time, we have a marriage and fertility crisis facing the church, a failure for marriages to form at the rates that they used to form. And some of that seems to be based on differing beliefs and mental health issues facing young men and women. So can you think of a way forward for the church? in family ministry and in ministry at all without addressing those issues. And that's what I'm concerned about.
1: What was missing? You had mentioned Europe, but what what was missing in the New York Times piece?
0: Well, part of it is the statistics that I just gave about the fact that this isn't a small phenomenon. The article is really strange. It's It is organized like a magazine opinion piece. And there's a lot of valid material toward the end that you wouldn't know is coming. And I wanna stress, every church member in America should print this article out on paper and hand it to their pastor. No exceptions. There should be a flood of paper hitting pastors on this because it's an issue that no one is going to be able to deny. The other big news story and the facts that aren't reported in this, let me just walk through a couple of them here. How has gender dysphoria as a scientific medical phenomena, how has it changed over the last three decades? And this is one of the topics that is covered in an indispensable pair of pages in the book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters by Abigail Schreier. This is the book that was banned on Amazon for a while. You couldn't get it at Target. I'm not even sure you could get it at Walmart for a while. But about 36 pages in, there's a simple two-page graph of what the characteristics used to be of gender dysphoria. Like I said, overwhelmingly male, very clearly identified by parents all through the childhood of the male child, or in rare cases, female. It gives you all of these things that used to be normal. Then it proceeds to show you that the cases of gender dysphoria we are seeing now fit none of the scientific principles detected in three decades of research at Johns Hopkins, and other places. Would you say that's a pretty important fact to include in a news story? Sure. Okay, so then that leads us, we just need to know, they need to do a better job of telling us what the stats are today. And yes, there will be people with valid reasons to debate the accuracy of these stats. That's a very common thing in journalism. And you have to present that clearly, In this case, it's kind of a left and right situation. You have to say who's who, what their credentials are, and let readers know that that's being debated. I would also throw in here, and I'm glad this came up toward the end of the article, but it's not explicitly identified as such. There is definitely a religious liberty issue here for whether licensed clinical counselors can do the old forms of medical care gender dysphoria, which was to recognize that it is frequently linked to other health conditions, anxiety, depression, sexual abuse, gender orientation confusion. You have all of these different issues, and the article does a great job. And the second article you referenced, the, gosh, the haunting, haunting article from the free press, And the free press, we're getting used to the free press publishing breakthrough articles on the trans issues, even though the free press, of course, is led by Barry Weiss and her wife. I mean, a lesbian couple with children, some people who would normally be identified on the left in our culture. But this, of course, is the Barry Weiss that was ran out of The New York Times for trying to publish complex articles on the op-ed page, the subject of that massive Economist article a couple of weeks ago that got so much attention. I think we discussed it here. So we need more facts here. And toward the end, it briefly mentions what's happening in Europe. And normally, American journalists are really, really convinced that what happens in Europe is extremely important, and that we need to pay attention to it. But in the American news media, we're not hearing about some of the things that are happening in Europe that are very important. And in particular, listeners might want to look up cases involving the Tavistock Hospital in Britain. And This was the major center for childhood, gender dysphoria, research, and transitions, but at least lately has been taken. They stopped doing it. And why did they stop doing it? There's the story the American press needs to be looking at. In Europe, Sweden, Norway, France, Netherlands, Britain, medical professionals are now seriously beginning to question the immediate automatic transition procedures for children, pre-adult people who are claiming gender dysphoria. And the case that's in the free press, which is just, like I said, it's terrifying. You've got a woman who is autistic, depressed, anxiety, abuse, sexual abuse, and she goes in in trouble and is pretty automatically put straight into transition. Like none of those other problems matter. When for decades, gender dysphoria specialists focused on looking at the foundational mental health issues before assuming they were dealing with gender dysphoria. And they frankly found out there was nothing wrong with waiting until they were adults and could make an adult decision. But today, of course, we hear, well, would you rather have a dead suicide child or a trans child is the logic for immediate procedure to unchangeable forms of therapy. So all kinds of things in this that in a normal news article, that the New York Times had validated as a valid news subject. We would see these debates presented with clear attributions and strong factual references to help the readers know this is news. And I'm glad they ran it. Like you, I think it's amazing they ran it. But why in the opinion section? The story makes it very clear. A theme that runs all the way through this opinion piece is that this topic has become politicized. It's a Republican versus Democrat thing, and thus the media, our niche, keep our audiences happy media can't cover this as a hard news story.
1: Terry, you mentioned this story in the free press. I was told to approve all teen gender transitions. I refused for six years. I worked at a hospital that said, all teenagers with gender dysphoria must be affirmed, I quit my job to blow the whistle. What did you find there?
0: Well, it's like a individual counselor's case study of her own journey through this, and it includes some overlapping material. Let me just read a couple of paragraphs here. I found that those experiencing gender dysphoria are up to six times more likely to be autistic they are also more likely to suffer from schizophrenia, trauma, and abuse. The research also implies the dramatic rise in these diagnoses across the West likely have a strong element of social contagion. Now, by the way, social contagion, in my opinion, this is Terry talking, not the article, that's largely a reference to social media and to the role of screen culture in the lives of children in ways that their parents can't control. It gets into some of the statistics about the 70 percent increase in the United States, Sweden, 1,500 percent. But then here comes that paragraph I mentioned earlier. Yet countries that were once the pioneers of gender transition medicine are now starting to backtrack. In 2022, England announced it will close its only gender clinic after an investigation uncovered subpar medical care including findings that some patients were rushed toward gender transitions. It doesn't mention the class action lawsuit, but it's very easy to find material about that online. Now, we're not dealing with a Christian counselor here. We're dealing with just a fair-minded, competent, liberal counselor in this field and how this has threatened her career to even ask questions about it. And she gets you into some of the case studies that changed her beliefs and attitudes on this topic. Now Christian publications could probably right now be writing articles. They'd have to be anonymous. They couldn't use the people's names. But if you know a Christian counselor in licensed clinical counseling, trust me, they are running into this issue and they don't know how to handle it, they're scared of losing their credentials. They're scared of losing their jobs. They're scared of losing their careers. It's that serious.
1: How do you explain that major news outlets in the US really have no problem reporting on Western Europe's environmental policies, but we hear very little about Western Europe's policies on gender transition or abortion?
0: Because the sexual revolution Is the hot-button subject in many of the most painful and divisive issues in American politics. If it has anything to do with the Supreme Court, if it has anything to do with law, if it has anything to do with religious liberty and the First Amendment, those are the hot topics in American life. And for reasons you and I have now discussed several times related to my religion and liberty essay for the Acton Institute called the Evolving Religion of Journalism, our media right now, for reasons of business models, can't cover stories that will anger their paying readers. And this is true on the right and it's true on the left. So, do you think in a newsroom that is entirely politicized over sexual revolution issues, Do you think the New York Times editors would go, hey, it'll be great. Let's do a really fair-minded, in-depth article on gender dysphoria. Do you think that's something that's going to please their readers? Well, that's what I was wondering when I
1: saw the New York Times piece that we were discussing before come out. My first thought was, well, I imagine they'll be getting a lot of very angry letters to the editor because they have essentially told the other side of the story. Right.
0: Okay, how many would they have gotten if this was a feature on page one? And how would that have affected NPR and the major television networks? The opinion piece, I'm sure they heard about it. I am sure. If there was a computer hacker that could hack into the private social media communications inside the New York Times newsroom, I guarantee you there were debates about this. But it's much safer to have it in the opinion pages than on the front page in the world's newspaper of record. And if they did serious investigative journalism on the potential for a class action lawsuit in the United States on this issue, and that was on the front page of the New York Times, that would blow this story wide open. And I think it's safe to say they're not going to do it especially not in an election year when the Democratic Party is completely, totally, and utterly committed to the all-acceptance model for gender dysphoria. The Republicans, meanwhile, as always, are divided, confused, and inept.
1: Wesley Smith, who's an attorney, told me, oh, probably about a year ago, that those lawsuits are coming. They're inevitable. They're going to become a new profit center in legal work and you will see commercials like you see for various other class action suits if you've been harmed by this drug or that drug. He says, you will see commercials about if your child was transitioned or if you've been harmed by hormone therapy. He says, they're coming.
0: And you were told that X number of shots of hormone therapy did not result in permanent changes. Yeah. Now, I started hearing that from, a, ironically, a close friend. I won't mention her name of Wesley and myself she started predicting this about seven years ago that just from talking to parents and talking to people with children in various types of therapy and talking to counselors so once again don't forget the religious liberty issue case here there's a great quote somewhere in one of the two articles I think it's in the free press article where a gay male who had transitioned back to male status from female, he said, I was told that if I took these drugs and I did the following things to my body and I did this and I did that and did whatever, I'd be fine. He said, if that isn't conversion therapy, what is? That's a headline. (laughs) That's a brutal headline. But for many counselors who can't even talk to their patients anymore about issues of sexual orientation, etc., their own mental health conditions, as it might relate to any of this. They can't talk about any of that even with First Amendment rights and religious liberty concerns. But they can do automatic assumption gender dysphoria treatments. That's fine. It's a different religion.
1: Finally, with about a minute here, what kind of follow-up what I suspect is going to happen is the New York Times is going to put out an equally lengthy op-ed piece talking about how great gender transition huh. is. But what kind of a follow-up needs to be done in pursuing a story like this as new?
0: I think silence is more likely at the Times in reaction than some sort of reaction piece. Remember, the key is that it didn't taint the news pages, and that's what really matters to journalists. I would urge – in addition to my already provocative thing of handing this Times article to your pastor, even though they will think of it as a wild and liberal and crazy publication, somebody in our churches needs to be subscribing to the free press and to similar publications that are daring to go there. And they need to know that Abigail Schreier, who is a liberal, a liberal's liberal, I believe she's a either a secular or a liberal Jewish woman, her new book comes out at the end of this month. And it attaches this topic to some others, and the name of the book is Bad Therapy, Why the Kids Aren't Growing Up. And there's that other subject about marriage formation, fertility, divisions between young men and women, etc and if the church and our seminaries and our colleges are going to ignore that, I don't know what kind of a future they have.
1: Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the National On Religion column for the andrews McMeill Universal Syndicate, and for two decades he led the GetReligion.org website. Terry, thank you very much.
0: Glad to be here.
1: I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly.